When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.03 here. Uh, Morena, to you all around New Zealand, uh, thank you very much for listening to uh, Ian Smith in the mornings from 9 to 12. We have uh, some rugby to begin with this morning with the Doyen, a rugby commentator extraordinaire, Grant Nisbet, uh, looking at uh, Super Rugby coming up over the weekend. Uh, Regan Wood from uh, the Auckland Tuatara, Basketball team. Yes, you thought I was going to say baseball team. It is the Auckland Tuatara basketball team. He is the CEO uh, just after 9.30. Joe Healy, host of the basketball show out of Australia. Looking forward to talking to Joe because, of course, the NBL playoffs are on and the NBA playoffs are on. Uh, Joe's got uh, all the knowledge around about that. Alex Chapman and Brad Lewis on the panel this morning around 20 past 10. Uh, And then uh, after 11 o'clock, we're going to go inside the Crusaders uh, camp and talk to their uh, up-and-coming star in the locking position. That's Zach Gallagher. He's had uh, a really good start to his Crusaders career. He's all be- almost become a, a go-to guy because the, the locking situation has been uh, very critical for them. Uh, Janine McCook will come to us at 11.20. Now, Janine McCook, that's a very famous name in Greyhounds, isn't it? Uh, you all know Andy. He's uh, the race caller as well. Uh, let's uh, talk to Janine and find out her involvement in the game. And Mick Guerin, of course, nothing would uh, be the same without Mick, Mick Guerin in his usual slot around about quarter to 12 this morning before we pass the baton to Mark Stafford. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, who'd have thought it, eh? Two Kiwis walking out to toss the coin on June 2nd at the Holy of Holies, Lords, the Mecca, HQ, to begin a three-test series of real significance. A lad always destined to be there doing just that. The pride of the Bay of Plenty, Tauranga born and raised, our very own Kane Williamson. And the other, Christchurch born and bred, could just have easily been at Wembley in the Challenge Cup final for Wigan or St Helens or Widnes with his upbringing in league. Ben Stokes, son of a Kiwi, tattooed heavily to the eyeballs or just below the newly named captain of England Test cricket. Looking desperately to do what Kane has been doing for Yonks now, steady the ship. And once Stokes has done that, he's got to turn it around and point it in the right direction. From what we've seen of that, he's never shirked the challenge. Whether it be headingly against the Aussies where he conclusively won all English hearts, or the back streets of Bristol where all he won was some ugly headlines and a boatload of trouble. He is a genuine, roll your sleeves up, get stuck in boys, Follow me kind of blokers, Stokes. You'll either get the job done or at least there will be some debris and casualties along the way. Having said all that, 
It's a gamble by the powers that be. Stokes is England's best all-round cricketer. When all those cylinders are firing, he can't be stopped. But that can be overlooked and downshadowed by concentrating on the team collective. Seen it in the past. He's always going to be under a massive spotlight. There is no hungrier pack of wolves than England's media. They've already gnawed at his flesh as he's taken time out physically and mentally to put a check on things. Captain in England was not Botham's lot. He tried, but it was not great. Stokes and Botham are cut from a very similar cloth. There was a time when the likes of Stokes would have entered the hallowed gates through the tradesman's entrance and at the behest of some official sod in a white coat. But not now. The new captain of England will stride proudly through the grace gates like Dexter and Hutton and Brearley and Atherton and Hussain before him. It will make a hell of a picture, the redhead from Canterbury, making Jed, the father, the Kiwi, super proud. Actually, we should all be. After all, he is still one of ours. Well, it's uh, Super Rugby continuing into week 11, uh, but it's the second week away from home for the New Zealand uh, side. They experienced it last weekend, albeit at the very same ground, but uh, this time they go to all parts of Australia and, of course, to Fiji. Uh, the Highlanders uh, have got the tough uh, task of heading to Suva on Saturday afternoon. Uh, a man who's been to all those grounds, uh, all those places calling rugby, of course, is uh, Nisbo. Uh, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Uh, Nisbo, uh, what did you make of last weekend? Uh, I, I think the uh, I think the consensus was that Australia might have closed the gap a little bit. Yeah, good day, Smithy. Um, I think that's probably true. Yeah, um, and to actually get a victory over a New Zealand team, I guess was was a um, was a bit of a miracle um, because it certainly didn't happen very much last year, did it? But. I just, I just felt watching that it was a little bit flat. I suppose it was because very few people showed up. I think the idea was good. Whether Melbourne was the right venue or not remains to be seen. Um, they might have been better if they could have maybe moved it to, uh, to Brisbane. Um, I suppose it's really, a, a, you've got to look at NRL commitments and whether Suncorp would have been available on the day, I suppose. Um, but, you know, you take on the AFL in a weekend and you're really... Uh, asking for trouble and I think you know you look at the crowd that turned up at the very same ground to watch the Warriors play don't know why they turned up but they did Um, and and you know it was almost chocker and it was a bit embarrassing to see the numbers that turned up for the rugby but nevertheless I think the idea was good and maybe they should pursue it. I just also wonder Nisbo whether that's a collective thing Um, over if we look at New Zealand crowds etc I know from time to time the grounds are set up because the, it always looks better when the cameras are pointing at the, the bulk of the crowd. But sometimes some grounds, Wellington included, have been set up the, that way. Uh, I just wonder, uh, is it a worrying sign on this side of the Tasman too? Yeah, I think if you look back, I mean, when Super Rugby first started, they were pretty much filling the grounds up, weren't they? And uh, and and you look at even a, even a really big game um, when the ground is you know, half full maybe, it is a concern, and I don't know the answers, Smithy. A lot of people saying there's too much rugby and all the rest of it. I always say to those people, particularly if they're sitting at home, you don't have to watch it. It's not compulsory. Um, but, you know, getting people off their bums and uh, getting to the grounds is a bit of an issue. I, I don't 
know whether it's a pricing issue or whether people don't feel like they're um, being entertained when they get there. I, I really don't know the answer. That's for uh, bigger and brighter people to uh, to consider. But, you know, it is a concern to me. Well, it's a concern across the board, Nisbo, as well. And um, I can tell you, I, I learned, and, and I could not believe this, I had to double-check it um, with a good friend of mine who's a teacher at Napier Boys High. Now, this is the home of Hawke's Bay Rugby, which generally has been a fairly proud province, uh, still holding the Ranfurly Shield, uh, steeped in history around these parts. You know, in Napier, only Napier Boys High School, Nisbo, only Napier Boys High School has got its own secondary school rugby team these days. Other schools play it, but they haven't got enough players to get a team by themselves. Now that is a worry. I just wonder what it's like at, say, Paniki. Yeah, well, look, I'm, I haven't been down there yet uh, this year. So I think we're four or five weeks into the season, but I will tomorrow. Um, I, I think they probably run about half a dozen teams. I certainly remember back in the heyday, they probably ran 10 or a dozen teams. Uh, but I think most clubs are finding that, unfortunately. There's just too much else on, isn't it? Too many other attractions for for young people to uh, to pursue these days. And it is a real concern. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think it's just rugby. I think it's pretty much across the board, really. Mm, I think you're probably right, actually. I think cricket numbers, if I uh, take a double check on that, cricket numbers uh, within summer are pretty much the same thing. OK, let's, uh, let's look at perhaps what's uh, coming up this weekend. And for the first time... Australian sides over New Zealand sides and of course the Fijian Drua will have a genuine home advantage because our teams are travelling far and wide beginning tonight at Suncourt with the Reds and the Chiefs. Now the Chiefs got up quite convincingly over the Waratahs but the Reds in Brisbane a different proposition? Yeah they are, there's no doubt about it and um, you know I think I think this is uh, a potential win for an Australian team uh, just as I do for a couple of other teams uh, I think the Reds and the Brumbies have set themselves apart as the two best Australian teams with maybe the Waratahs in third place and then the other two just battling a wee bit. And, of course, both the Reds and the Brumbies have home advantage this week. And I find it intriguing uh, tonight's game. I really do. The Reds at Suncorp are a different proposition to the Reds in Melbourne that uh, the Hurricanes ran into last week. And, uh, of course, the Chiefs without uh, Sam Kane for this match, but they do have terrific depth in their squad there's no doubt about that so this will be a very very intriguing game finally the force can field a side Dispo and they will be hosting the Blues at NIB Park in Perth uh, Blues going pretty good uh, so far this season and I would imagine uh, the force will be willing but not good enough yeah they've only won two out of eight so they've lost six games uh the force but they're not a bad side um they're not as bad as maybe that uh that that uh, for and against or um win loss record would suggest but yeah the blues once again have got plenty of depth haven't they and it'll be fascinating to see um the the return of akira yuani for sure and uh, also of course bringing caleb clark back and he adds uh, great dimensions when it comes to the attack there's no doubt about that you look at that Blues team and it does look really, really strong right across the board. It'll be great to see Roger Tuivasa-Shek get another run in the number 12 jersey. I think a lot of people are a little bit undecided, you know, basically because of that. Uh, he made a very good start. Then, of course, he had that injury and uh, an opportunity to be on the run on side against a force team whose defence will probably let them down a few times. So it'll be fascinating to see how he goes. But really, the Blues across the board should be too strong. 
Yes, I'd imagine RTS, as uh, people like to call them, uh, will have to start making uh, some, I won't say headlines, but some seriously good inroads uh, for him to be considered for those early test matches. We'll wait and see on, on that one. There's both Fiji and Drua against the Highlanders Saturday afternoon. Well, apparently they're lying in wait over there. They haven't been home for seven or eight months, some of them, let alone had any decent rugby there for forever, it seems. Yeah, this will be fascinating. I hope the, I hope the crowds turn up here, Smithy. Um, you know, I've been reading stories about, you know, the cost to get in is is pretty expensive and a lot of Fijian folk can't afford to go. But I I hope that, um, you know, the, the, the crowds turn up for this game because anyone who's been to a test match or even a just, um, you know, a super rugby game in Fiji, it's, it's, it's fantastic. The enthusiasm of the locals is brilliant. And it's their first sort of home game. We've uh, done Super Rugby matches over there in the past, but they've featured New Zealand teams. This time, of course, it's a genuine Fijian team. And so there'll be a lot of excitement around uh, against the Highlanders team, who, as we all know, are battling. Um, one win from their nine matches. And um, it's, uh, so this will be fascinating. And I've been pretty impressed with uh, Drua, quite frankly. I think... Uh, you know, they've probably been a little better than Moana Pacifica has, um, but it's it's all relative. It's a question of who you play against, I suppose. So this will be a real opportunity just to see whether the Fijian team are up to it. And uh, my first impressions are that they are. So this is a, mm. a this will be a tough game for the Highlanders, no doubt about it, and they simply need to win. Yeah, it's one of two games uh, Fijian Drua will have on uh, Fijian soil because... Uh, they will now be playing the Chiefs. It's official they'll be playing the Chiefs in Lotoko as well. So two opportunities at home for them with uh, various trips to and from Australia chucked in between. Waratahs Crusaders uh, at uh, one of uh, Sydney's favourite rugby league grounds, like Art Oval. Yeah, the All Blacks spent a bit of time training there a couple of years ago, so I sort of trudged off to Leichhardt. It's, uh, it's a terrific sort of inner-city ground uh, in, just in the, in the western part of uh, Sydney. With a with a lot of history, history that's for sure. Um, yeah, this will be another interesting game, and the Waratahs are a lot better than what they were last year. But I don't think the Crusaders are as good as they were last year. I think most people would admit that, and uh, they've looked a bit vulnerable from time to time. Um, they've decided to uh, leave out Ethan Blackadder, uh, Richie Moanga, Braden Enor, and uh, and George Bridge, and so there's going to be a little bit of pressure on um, on the Crusaders to do well in this game. I think they'll probably lift themselves, but um, a potential banana skin. Ooh, okay, Nespo. I know how, uh, if you was going to be a, pana- a banana skin this weekend, I know I know for a fact how you'd dread it to be the Crusaders, correct? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, Smithy, yes. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest about it. They've, they've set the standard, haven't they? And... Uh, and when you set the standard and, and you don't quite reach it, and, I, and I, I think they'd be the first to admit that through the first nine games of the season, they haven't played all that well. They've, they've lost two games, but potentially they could have lost a few more. Uh, I think back to the game against the Highlanders when they couldn't score any points at all in the second half and the Highlanders hammered away and just couldn't get the job done. So, look, um, you know, they, they are a little bit vulnerable. There's no doubt about that. And to leave out a guy like Richie Moong, I think that's a bit cool. Um, I mean, but they, they are full, a team full of stars. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think they'll get the job done, but I just make the point that I think it is a potential banana skin. OK, talking of whipping boys, um, and it's been Moana Pacifica's uh, label, really. They've been, uh, I think they've had 10 times more trainings or 20 times more trainings than they've actually had playing time 
because of various uh, issues, of course, COVID, and then other teams getting COVID and the, the treatment that they've got. They've been miserably treated by uh, a number of people, but they do hopefully get some rugby this weekend against uh, the Melbourne Rebels in, uh, in Melbourne at the stadium where all the rugby was last weekend at uh, Amy Stadium. I just wonder if this is an opportunity for them here. Yeah, I think it is. I really do. I think it is. Uh, I, the Rebels aren't that flash, let's be honest about it. And, um, you know, Moana would be very, very annoyed about the way they were treated last week. I mean, to get to Australia to find that, um, you know, the force couldn't field a team, um, uh, it, it, it was insulting, to be perfectly honest. And I think they'll be well and truly fired up uh, for this game. Look, they've had a few issues this year. The, the biggest issue they've had is their penalty count. They've been conceding. I don't know what the average would be, but you get the feeling that they're probably conceding on average about 15 penalties per game. Look, if they can cut that down to uh, maybe single figures or around about 10, I think they could become a real force in this uh, competition. Uh, They've certainly got the players. And um, I I think as an outsider, I'm sort of looking at the TAB odds for this game. It's got the Rebels $1.37, Wana Pacifica at $2.80. Boy, I'd be happy to take $2.80 in a multi somewhere. Yeah, I think I would as well. In fact, I just might. Um, Ms. Buff, it's hard to go to Brisbane and win. It's pretty hard to go to Canberra and win as well. And that's what the Hurricanes have ahead of them this weekend uh, against the Brumbies, who have uh, day in, day out, been Australia's best this this time around. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Absolutely right, Smithy. And uh, boy, did we two two sides of the Hurricanes last week. Awful for about half an hour. Got a couple of tries just before half-time and then totally dominated the second half. I sat there thinking to myself, what's going on here? You know, I mean, where was the motivation in the first half hour or so? Admittedly, they had blokes in the bin and all the rest of it. But, um, uh, you know, there were just two shades of the Hurricanes last week. And you can't afford that against the Brumbies. The Brumbies are clinical. They always have been right from day one. And particularly on their home ground, they're really, really hard to beat. Having said that... You know, the Hurricanes have got match winners, as they generally always have, right across the board. And um, I find this one pretty hard to predict. But I think of the New Zealand teams that are sitting over there in Australia this weekend, the two that um, are really going to be up against it in terms of the venue and the teams they're playing against are the Chiefs at Suncorp tonight and the Hurricanes against the Brumbies on, in Canberra on Sunday. I've got a heading here, coaches under pressure. You would assume uh, with a, a record like uh, one win and eight losses that a, a coach of any team might be under pressure. Do you feel that about Tony Brown? Oh, look, I think oh, they haven't played badly, have they? They just haven't got the results. You know, I can think back to the two games against the Hurricanes, one here in Wellington, the other down in Dunedin, that they were so close against the Crusaders where they dominated the second half but just couldn't get the points on the board. They've been so damn close in a lot of games. When you look at one win, you could almost say, with a little bit of luck, that could have been four wins. And um, he's a very popular character. He's a very good coach. Whether he's quite got the cattle is another thing. At least he gets Aaron Smith back this week. And, uh, look, I don't think he is under a lot of pressure. He's a bit of an icon down south, Smithy. And... uh, and I think the players like him, and he just needs to get a few a, a few good breaks, a little bit of luck, and a few wins. Jason Holland, would, uh, his record is better, um, but uh, Hurricanes people are generally quite hungry, and it's been a, uh, it's been a little while. 
Yeah, look, um, of course all coaches are under pressure. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, Leon McDonald, when he first went to the Blues, was under enormous pressure, didn't get much in the way of results. But they stuck with him. They gave him some uh, some better players, perhaps. And, um, yeah, Jason Holland, always under scrutiny, no doubt about that. But I think he's got another year to run on his contract. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll make the eight. There's no doubt about that. I think that the worrying thing for any team is that uh, the Hurricanes might finish up around about, you know, fifth or sixth. And the team lying mm. third or fourth is going to have to play them in the playoffs. And that could be a team like the Crusaders, which would make, <laughs> which would make the Crusaders pretty damn nervous, I would think. I would imagine so. Uh, and this boy, just finally, All Blacks home test schedule has been confirmed. Three tests against uh, Ireland, two against Argentina, and just the one this time around uh, against Australia. So uh, pretty busy at home. And then, of course, uh, those uh, those matches are away. Uh, looking forward to this, and it's been it seems like forever. There's been so much talked about in male and female rugby that uh, where have the All Blacks been? I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. They're all meaningful test matches too, Smithy. We sometimes have a few softies. But, you know, three tests against Ireland who put us away at the end of last year. And as, as long as Ireland bring their really best team, and I'm sure that they'll be close to it, uh, this will be a real test for us, no doubt about that. It's probably disappointing the Springboks aren't coming here, but we are going there to play a couple of test matches. Of course, they've cut the Bledisloe Cup down to two test matches this year. And don't forget the Pumas, uh, even though they've probably been inactive for quite some time, were able to beat us in Sydney a couple of years ago. So all meaningful test matches, which is exactly what we need in the build-up to the World Cup next year. Serious couch time this weekend then, Nisbo? Serious couch time and a bit of time on the sideline watching a bit of club rugby, Smithy. Good on you, mate. Uh, I uh, look forward to hearing you, uh, a bit of feedback about club rugby numbers in Wellington because it's a majorly concerning thing. Nisbo, uh, thank you so much for your time this morning and uh, have, have a great breather and you'll be back in action, I'm sure, next weekend. So Good on you, Smithy. Cheers, mate. Cheers, man. Cheers, mate. Uh, Grant Nisbet there. Uh, just go to Grant Nisbet if you want to find out about what's going on uh, across the board in rugby with uh, some very serious and learned views there. And yes, club rugby. Uh, and that is an issue. I've already got texts in here, folks. Already got texts coming in about playing numbers. Uh, I, I, I could not believe it when this bloke told me Napier Boys High School have got the only first 15, the only playing teams, um, full 15s, that is, in Napier. Hawks Bay hold the Ranfurly Shield. It's supposed to be a, one of the strong points of provincial rugby in the country. What is going on there? What are your stories about college rugby, junior rugby, uh, Premier Rugby, we've got texts coming in. Man, I, I had no idea. I suspected it. I had no idea. It's 9.25 here on SENZ. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, news shortly, but just uh, time to read out a couple of texts. The club rugby is struggling in Counties Waioku, uh, Beavers Old Club, they don't even have a premier team anymore. They were one of the top clubs for years with strong 19s, 21s, reserves and prems. Now they all they have is a Div 3 team and an under 85 kilo team as well. Kilogram team, that is. Uh, hey, Smithy, referee numbers down all around the country. Players numbers down at Wellington. Cheers, Josh. Uh, the, uh, and, and also we've got uh, texts about Super Rugby and why people just don't go to Super Rugby anymore and pay the big bicky. So we'll, we'll include those uh, in the next half hour. It is time for the news with Araha and then we're going to be talking 
basketball after that. Nine thirty-three. The NZNBL season tipped off last night with the Nelson Giants too strong for the Otago Nuggets, winning eighty-eight sixty-nine. They dominated the early uh, stages of uh, the match and uh, just did not let up. American import Trey Morning, the absolute star of the show, thirty-five points, fourteen rebounds included in his performance. It's a really exciting time for basketball in New Zealand for many reasons, including the introduction of the Auckland Tuatara. Now you hear that, you think. Tuatara baseball? No, Auckland Tuatara basketball now as well. Uh, it's a very exciting initiative uh, being launched and uh, their first mission will be a trip to uh, Taranaki tomorrow. So uh, their CEO uh, is with us this morning, Regan Wood. Uh, hey Regan, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, just to tell us a, a wee bit about the introduction of the Auckland Tuatara, of course, who everyone thinks is uh, a baseball team. Trying to get uh, Regan up, actually. I, I hope um, I hope we've got him there. I can see we've got him on the, the dashboard here, so we're just uh, waiting to get him uh, to come through to air. Um, and uh, I'll just be, yes, uh, just trying to pad for a second or two until we get him going. It's, uh, yes, uh, I watched that game last night, the Giants and the Nuggets. Good thing uh, was the first thing was a good crowd there, a really good crowd. Uh, hopefully, Regan, would, we've got you now. Is that correct? Yeah, sorry about that. I um, just I'm halfway across the desert road. I'm driving to Auckland. I've got the big decal with the Tuatara decal, the, the basketball court. So we're at home tomorrow night. But you are you um you, oh, right. you sort of post the yeah 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 you so post the question about you know basketball baseball. Well, we were the baseball team that really didn't play. We we took the choice uh, or the decision. It was an easy decision not to play because of COVID. Yeah, there's nothing worse than getting sort of locked down in Australia with a with a sports team. And uh, and also you know, struggling to, to to win sport. So anyway, so we didn't play, and we're sitting around, and and people like you know Mr. Grant Robertson going, you know, what, what can you do as a sport? What can you do differently? I think the term in mm. 2020 was, you know, how can one pivot, right? But anyway, so we said, why don't we, you know, look to add something else to to this, you know, this this brand that we're sort of creating. And um, the opportunity came to purchase the Huskies basketball team. So we said, right, let brand that is the Tuatara, so when we're talking to people like, you know, your good self, we can talk to you in the winter and we can talk to you in the summer. And uh, the league in itself, when you look at that basketball league, for I think it's a, it's a great league. I think it's actually getting better. And we look forward to sort of seeing what it's going to look like in a couple of years' time when Queenstown are in and, and Tauron are in. So, yeah, we're, it's part of the landscape and, and build something a little better. Um, if you think about it, we are, where do you stop? You know, does basketball and baseball fit? Um, what other sports would you like to have part of that? And we, yeah, we've got a good, a good group and a good sort of culture, so then how do we take some of that DNA and put it across some of the other sports? Okay, so let's just confirm that you're at home. Uh, where and when, at what time? So for people who uh, need to be informed about this new franchise and want to see them in action straight from the get-go, uh, what time and where? 7.30 tomorrow at Event Finder Stadium on North Shore. That's where our home is. Um, and I believe yep. it's also going to be, it'll be on Sky TV, it'll be on Prime TV, and I believe it'll be yep. on your radio station as well. Yep, uh, look, we're fully into it uh, here at SCNZ, but uh, yeah, good to, new, good to know that uh, it's on Prime, free to wear for people as well as Sky as well. Uh, okay, so um, let's, let's look at uh, who you've managed to sign and, and get together in your franchise. 
First of all, uh, how many from the Huskies did you drag across? Uh, that's a great question. I, I, n- none of the staff, um, so we just took our Turatara staff, we've left the, 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 basically the, the Huskies still there, um, and uh, we basically were granted the new franchise. But out of the players, we got Chris Johnson back from last year, um, former NBA player, uh, Aaron Young, our coach. Uh, and, and our coach, I guess, I think you guys were speaking to him yesterday, he's the driver. You know, it's, it's, he's the on-field general. So um, getting um, Aaron was the important bit, and, and he went out and sort of he said, right, this is the team that I want. We um, Out of the team, yeah, the big one was Chris Johnson. You know, he was the sort of the, 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 I guess, the star of the league last year, or one of the stars of the league, league last year. Well, you've got a massive signing, and I mean that in various ways. Uh, Rob Lowe, uh, of course, uh, he's uh, had experience overseas. He's had experience with the Breakers. He's um, a, a household name in basketball, in the, and it's uh, not a bad name to have to base a team around. No, we're pretty fortunate, um, and, you know, Rob's a great guy, you know, he sort of, I turned up, I'm looking at him going, geez, you look tall, and he's looking at me going, geez, you look short, so we had a good uh, a good chuckle, but, uh, you know, the camaraderie between him and Chris, and the kind of leadership that guys bring to these young guys, so if you're a, a parent of a, of a young 17-year-old that you wanted to go to college, or he has the opportunity to go to college overseas, and we can around these men honing his basketball skills, um, you, you couldn't ask for better sort of leadership than, than those two those two guys there alone. This Daniel Fortu sounds uh, an exciting player to have on the roster. Uh, another one from overseas who has uh, gone through the NCAA career with uh, St Mary's College. Uh, so you'll be uh, interested to see what he brings to the franchise. Yeah, look, we, we're expecting him to, you know, bring that sort of that... That, that that toughness of that collegiate sort of uh, basketball career. We also expect him to bring sort of that bit of that Kiwi, bit of that culture, um, and he should be a nice addition. He won't be he won't be back sort of six weeks or so, but when he comes back, uh, it'll be just that nice addition, a nice little shot in the arm, and away we go from there. But we actually lose um, Chris. Chris has to head back to uh, to, to play overseas, and he'll we'll lose him. Um, later in June, so then sort of, it's sort of that sort of transition period. Whilst uh, a lot of sports at secondary school level are struggling for numbers, I, I don't think basketball is in that category. Um, North Shore schools like Rangitoto um, have been known over the years for nurturing young basketball talents. Is, is there a, a kind of a pathway through to the Tuatara from those schools? Oh, look, absolutely, and that's where, you know, when we spoke to the league about well, where do we want to put a team, what do we want to do, North Shore, it's a nursery grade. I mean, oh, don't get me wrong, there's great pockets around New Zealand, but Rangatoto is used Rosney, Takapuna, and so forth. And there's these schools that are there. There's so, so many kids. They have um, something like, you know, 32 basketball teams, 45 basketball teams, incredible numbers that they have playing basketball. So for us, we're going, well, okay, <clears throat> the, the high school level of basketball is very good. We sit a few levels above it, but we get the opportunity to grab some of these kids, providing, you know, they fit with us, we fit with them, and we can sort of... And, um, Penny said it, look, he said that's where he learned to play basketball and it prepared him for college all those years ago. And he said, look, the league's better now than it, than it has ever been. He said, so, you know, part of it is we can grab some of these kids out of these schools and they can come and play with us. So, yeah, we, we, we really like uh, that... Um, 
that pathway and that process. North Harbour does a great job um, looking after these basketballs and actually growing the game from a from a, I mean their, their numbers are phenomenal. I don't know if you've spoken to John Hunt, but they I mean their biggest issue is courts because they've got more kids wanting to play. I mean, it must be the envy of all other sports. I'd suggest. I would imagine you'd absolutely nailed that, Regan. No doubt about that at all. Uh, look, what are your expectations uh, in this first season? Uh, we need to be competitive. You know, um, we we need to because we're we're risking a little bit more because. Yeah, we've got that baseball. So if we, you know, cock up the the basketball, the baseball fans will go, why'd you do that for? So they expect us to do well. Um, We don't need to win everything. We need to be competitive. So, uh, and that's what we expect to be as competitive every day and every night. Um, And and I like our chances of making the playoffs. But we haven't played a game yet. But you'll you'll definitely see a competitive product on, on the field. And you'll see... Uh, you know, a, a lot of fun, I believe, fun uh, off the field is what we're doing because, you know, sport in itself can be pretty boring. Um, so when we want to spend our $20 and go along to something, we want to be entertained. Yeah, you're going to come along and you'll see some silly stuff, but, you know, you'll have a laugh and a giggle and go, that was pretty good, I'll come back again. So we'll see, the, we'll see a mascot, I would imagine, for the kids and, and all sorts of activities uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, the first game will be a bit of a, you know, it'll be a, <laughs> it'll be a shambles, I'm sure. Um, but we should, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll probably, the, the average person won't pick up on that. But about sort of game two and three will be rolling. But yeah, we'll have the MC, the, the mascot. Um, you know, I'm, uh, uh, you probably, uh, I'm, I'm keen to get some um, cheerleaders, but I actually want, uh, I want dancing grannies. That's what I want. You know, like, let's have some fun. Let's connect with, connect with the, community on varying different levels you know we'll have someone giving away donuts and doing all sorts of silly stuff in the crowd so that's really really important that's part of what we do because you know you go along to something you want to be entertained and, and the sport itself uh rugby and cricket well they're the elite athletes uh, in the world and you're probably just quite happy just to watch that but for for, for level of where our league sits and it sits below the nba and so forth we need to entertain uh the crowd Okay, uh, let's turn our attention to uh, the the other sport, of course, that uh, the Tuatara name is uh, very closely associated with it, and that is uh, the baseball. Tell us about uh, the prospects and the preparations for uh, the next round of uh, the ABL. Oh, yeah, look, uh, I've just been to Arizona um, last in March for six days to meet with uh, you know, the Texas Rangers and the Padres and the Mariners and so forth about them sending us out players for this coming season along with coaches and those three organisations are all committed to doing that but I'm off to Australia next week uh, to have ABL meetings and that'll be part of that that confirmation that we're, um, we'll be back playing in the ABL and when the season starts the season will start I believe at this stage it hasn't been confirmed uh, the 10th of November and we'll probably be away uh, and we've kind of requested that too, that uh, being away because, you know, the weather can be a little inclement uh, in November, as you know. We think spring can be dreadful. So I said I'd rather be away for that first game, play somewhere starting like Queensland or whatever it is. But, yeah, we've got planning. We've, um, uh, earlier this week, uh, I can't name the player, but we got confirmation of one of a former uh, player that uh, he talked about we played here when we won the World Series. And he's keen to come out and uh, and and play with us. So 
we, we're very lucky that we get these players from the Rangers and the Padres, and then we can talk to some of these um, players that are still looking to play that have just fallen out of major leagues or retired a couple of years ago and see, say, look, we'd love to come down to New Zealand, love to play some baseball, watch some cricket, go fishing, uh, enjoy ourselves. But like any of those things, they're not coming out here just to go fishing. They're competitors, and they understand that sort of we're building uh, this baseball in New Zealand and, and we don't have a long history so they get all those parts which is really really important so yeah looking forward to playing but November and, and hopefully the ABL will announce that that we're back in it and everybody's happy in the next week or so Regan it sounds like uh, I mean you're wearing so many hats at the moment uh, particularly the one <laughs> driving home so uh, first of all do that safely uh, look forward to uh, that first uh, outing tomorrow for uh, the Auckland Tuatara uh, against uh, the Taranaki Airs. The Taranaki Airs is the team. They are at home, folks. Yes, they are at home at 7.30 tomorrow, so make sure you get along there and experience for the first time the Auckland Tour. Tara Regan, all the best uh, with what you've got going on, and uh, we'll keep an eye on uh, your side, the Tour Tara, uh, from here on in, and uh, look forward to the performances of the likes of Rob Lowe and co. Thank you. Hi, th- thank you for the opportunity to talk about what we're doing. Cheers. Uh, Regan Wood there, who, of course, is uh, the CEO of Auckland Tuatara, and that means he looks after the, the baseball side of things, the basketball side of things. Uh, lucky man's been in Arizona as well, checking out some uh, baseball talent. Uh, what a life. But it's 9.46 here on SENZ. Plenty of text to read when we come back, and then a multi-news of uh, a bit of success yesterday, I might just add, uh, and quite healthy success, and an opportunity over the weekend to make a wee bit more. Shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, let's uh, read out some of these uh, texts that we've been getting in. The problem with Super Rugby is no one cares and the games are one-sided and predictable. Uh, ticket prices are too high and the stadium prices are a joke. The cost of living is through the roof. Why would people spend money on a crap product? Uh, get rid of the franchises, take it back to the unions and get people interested in their local teams again. Invite the Aussies and Pacifica teams. That's from Liam. Uh, Smithy, by the time you purchase tickets for mum, dad and two kids, hot dogs and chips and a few beers and uh, a wine for mum, taking a 90-minute wait for a taxi home, you're 200 bucks in the hole. That's three months Sky subscription and you leave underpleased with the experience. Uh, so very interested in that. Uh, that is from Jerry. Uh, Tony has said, Smithy, the decline in college and club rugby numbers is a huge concern for our national game. I'm lucky enough to live across the road from my local club, the mighty Pioneer Club, and I can tell you it's impossible to get a car park in the street most Saturdays in winter. Not uncommon to have 200-plus on the sideline most home games. Uh, club rugby in the south is still alive, but no means as strong, by no means as strong as it once was. Uh, yeah, interesting indeed. Um, Smithy, when um, uh, Regan mentioned the signing of a player that was here for from the World Series, do we assume the player was a softballer? No, I think um, I think we'd assume there he, he was there from uh, baseball, Maggie. Um, I think they've had because uh, the World Series, as you say, no, you might be right because the World Series, of course, is baseball. It's just always played in America between two American sides. Maggie, you might be absolutely right. We might fact check that and get back. He wasn't prepared to say who the player was anyway, so they, they won't give us many details, but. Uh, I will absolutely uh, do my darndest to get back on that. Um, Pex has come in and says, Hi, Smithy, can 
Uh, can't find Izzy's multi on the TAV. Can you do help direct me, please? We'll get uh, an answer for that for you as well. Um, and Chris, yeah, uh, well done, Smithy. Great multi yesterday. Yes, Chris. And that is what we're coming back with very shortly. Multi result from yesterday and Chris and uh, a little one for the weekend as well. Arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, 9.59 and yesterday we won uh, our multi. $8.11 Manchester United drawing with Chelsea this morning to top it off. So $8.11. Uh, pat on the back for everyone that uh, got on the back of that one. Try this one for the weekend. The Rabbitohs to beat the Seagulls at a buck sixty. The Chiefs to beat the Reds at a dollar forty-two. Even though, uh, as Nisbo said, that is a potential win for the Reds. Dallas Mavericks to beat Utah at a buck eighty-three, and the Parramatta Eels to beat the Cowboys at a dollar thirty-one. Five dollars forty-four for a weekend return on the back of eight dollars eleven yesterday. Uh, we will be talking basketball still after the break. We're going to talk to Joe Healy about the ANBL. In the meantime, here's Aroha with the 10 o'clock edition. Bills arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, yes, it's... uh... It's undeniable the New Zealand Breakers had a season to forget in the Australian NBL, but as some Kiwis return home to play in the NZ NBL, others uh, remain in, with their Australian side sprinkled around in the hunt for an ANBL title. Uh, the semi-finals got underway last night with uh, Melbourne United taking on the newcomers, one of the stories of the competition, the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Uh, they won Melbourne uh, quite convincingly 74-63 to take game, game one of their best of three series. And tonight, it is the Sydney Kings against the Illawarra Hawks. Now, joining us here on SENZ in the mornings now uh, is the host, uh, uh, the co-host of the basketball show, um, Joe Healy. Good morning to you, Joe. Thanks for your time. A good morning. Great to be with you. Yeah, and you co-host that show with Shane the Hammer Heel. We've had him on uh, previously. Good man. He is. He's a great man. He's um he's good to work with. I was only telling somebody the other day that I feel like um I'm almost like the work wife. So you can absolutely stick it to me so that he leaves Jen and Pete at home. Um, <laughs> so when we're working, he's always uh, laying into me about something. But he's uh, he is great to work with. And to be honest, his knowledge I sit there in awe sometimes and just sponge everything he has to say. So it's a great experience. That's for sure. Hey, Joe, uh, interesting developments uh, in the ANBL. And before we get to semi-final uh, playoff action, uh, the ANBL uh, announced yesterday they're looking to introduce a, a, like a play-in tournament from next season, perhaps uh, a little bit like we've seen in the NBA. Uh, do you think that'll add anything to the league in the latter stages of the schedule? I really like this. Um, we've seen with the NBA, because it is only... Uh, well, with the NBA, it's, it's a couple of games, but it's, it's almost like that international format and it's really cutthroat and I think it keeps things particularly interesting for, for other teams and keeps them engaged right to the end of, of the, the season. So I, I love it from that point of view. It means that another fan base can still be involved, sort of rooting for their team to make the finals. We don't know the exact format um, yet, whether it will be exactly like the, the NBA and it will include four teams in a bracket or whether it will just be perhaps like a four and five playoff or something. Um, so that that's still TBC. 
Um, but yeah, why not? You've seen the success of it overseas, um, and and the NBL are super progressive and always trying to change things up and keep things uh, exciting. So yeah, I think it's great. I haven't even got this um, in my notes, but I've got to ask you this. Uh, I mean, as a, as a basketball fan, an absolute uh, follower of the game, what a fastest Ben Simmons season has been. I mean, <laughs> goodness me. Uh, I mean, uh, they were hanging out for him to, to maybe take a part for, for the Nets now in one of those four games. They, they got blitzed, of course, but not even then. He kept teasing us then. It's it's a really funny situation, isn't it? Um, I think at the end of the day, he's he's not a bad character. I think that perhaps he's just been advised, uh, not necessarily incorrectly, but I think he's got lots of people coming at him from different angles, and it, it seems like he's trying to protect himself from more criticism by, by not playing for the rest of the season. But um, the fact that then once they were once they were swept and then he had a meeting with, with the organisation and what was said in that meeting was then leaked in the press, it just seems like it's an absolute shambles, as you say. So... Hopefully he can sort of take a step back now, go through the off season, keep to himself, and, and just work at his craft because that we want to see him out there. Obviously, we know how talented mm. he is, but he's um, he's clearly really struggled, and and there there is part of me that feels really sorry for him. Um, so yeah, just just hopefully he can he can get back even to somewhat part of, of his best basketball. Um, I think that would even be a success at this point. Okay, let's uh, focus in on uh, what we saw last night and the playoffs, Joe, if we can. We're so used to seeing the Perth Wildcats uh, in the ANBL, and uh, it, it, we find it a bit strange not to have them this season. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, don't know how I feel about that either. There's, there's part of you that's like, yes, thank goodness, the streak is over. It's somebody else's turn. And then the other part of you is like, oh, my gosh, even that was such a fairy tale. It's such a shame not to see them there. Um, but for the for the jack jumpers, I mean, talk about fairy tales. I feel like they've mm. they've really captured the the hearts of the entire country, let alone the the Tassie public this season. They're almost everyone's second favourite team. So it was um it was pretty exciting to see to see them get through to the finals, to see what it meant to them, the emotion and of, of the coaching staff, of the players. Um, so yeah, love love the fact that they made it through to the four. And then the game last night was. It was competitive. First half was really good. Melbourne, obviously, just too experienced, I think, in the end, in front of their home crowd, to put their foot down in that third quarter particularly. Um, it'll be a different story, I think, uh, at Tassie's home ground on Saturday, so tomorrow tomorrow evening. Um, I feel like Melbourne will get it, but I think it'll be a lot closer encounter. Well, we know Dean Vickerman pretty well in this part of the world, of course, with his association here. Uh, he's uh, coaching Melbourne, of course, and uh, he identified uh, Canadian import Mikhail McIntosh as someone they just had to shut down last night. So, tactically, did they get it right, Melbourne? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think so. Their they're backcourt defence, the likes of it, as Shay Yearly, Matthew Delvedova, those guys, you know, Baba, coming off, coming off the bench, um, we know how strong they are. And then with someone like McIntosh, who's, he obviously plays sort of, what, the 3-4 the position, um, he's he's a spark, but he has been inconsistent throughout the season, and I think they they did they put enough pressure on um, him particularly. Um, like I said, it was it, it almost went to script. The imports for for Tassie did well. Um, the imports uh, like Kayla Wagata had a great game for Melbourne United, but from United's point of view, what really shone through, I think, for me was was their depth. It was really spread uh, across the floor, and somebody like Chris Golding 
I think he dropped nine points. Just imagine how lethal they could be when he gets going. So, um, yeah, I, I think they they were in sort of not quite first gear, but they've still got a lot more uh, to give United. Let's uh, look at uh, what uh, we can look forward to tonight then with the Sydney Kings and uh, Illawarra. Uh, the Kings have been pretty hot uh, in terms of their lead up into this part of the competition. So uh, can uh, Brian Gorgian and the uh, Hawks tame them? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> these, these teams have been have been separated by five, eight and two points every time they've met this season. And there's, there's always beef. There was a bit of a, an argument and kerfuffle after the game the other day, which decided home court advantage for the semi-final series. The ownership have, have had beef throughout the, the season. Um, Paul Smith and Dora Kadahi. And so there's just so much tension and energy when these two teams meet. So um, it, it's going to be really, really exciting. I honestly can't split them. Uh, I think they're a really good matchup. It, it, for me, it's just two fires and, and who comes to play on a certain day, um, which makes me think that probably the home crowd might be the difference in this series, just having that six man out there. So it starts this evening. We're heading down to, to Illawarra for the game later this afternoon. Um, but yeah, should be should be really, really exciting. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of these teams uh, ends up taking the championship outright in the end. Joe, if we uh, head across to the NBA, which is at an enthralling stage of its season now with these playoffs that are going on, uh, one or two have been uh, well and truly sorted in, in particular. Uh, Golden State Warriors uh, eliminating the Denver Nuggets yesterday, so they were, took that series 4-1. And it uh, looks like Steve Curry is back, uh, fully fit, of course. Clay Thompson is back. Um, Dremont, uh, uh, Green is just uh, being the pest that he's always been. It's, uh, it's like the Golden State Warriors of old, really. It is. They are looking very, very good. Uh, it's ominous for anyone else in the competition, especially someone like uh, the Phoenix Suns, who were sort of tipped to, to win the West, but without Devin Booker, um, although he is, I think, set to return in the next, few games. Um, yeah, the Warriors are looking good. That death lineup featuring Jordan Paul as well. Um, they're, they're hard to stop. And then they've obviously got some really exciting pieces on the bench coming in too. Um, but yeah, th- that, that series was, was good. Um, Nikola Jokic is always impressive to watch whether they're, they're winning or losing. So thoroughly enjoyed that. And then there have been a couple of other really good matchups um, across the board in terms of the playoffs as well. So it's been exciting so far. Uh, let's look at, at across to the east now, and uh, already uh, we're looking at the Celtics and the Bucks going head to head. Um, Giannis, uh, they look pretty pretty good, and uh, a lot of people are tipping them to go all the way this year. Um, but the Celtics, uh, I think this is probably a bit of a, a revival, a bit quicker than some people thought. Yeah, definitely. They've had a fantastic season. Um, credit to Amy Doker and the way that they've been able to handle themselves. Because if you think about Earlier in the season, there was, there was infighting and they weren't really clicking, but they managed to sort it out all behind closed doors, which, um, for, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to happen a lot these days. So um, I think they've been really impressive. Um, I, I also think Milwaukee will be probably too strong. Celtics looked great against the Nets, but they were, they were in sort of situation uh, mode entirely. Um, so I think this will be a big step up for them. And Giannis and Chris Middleton and those guys... Will, will probably be too strong, I, I think. 
We've always uh, got a lot of interest wherever Stephen Adams has been plying his trade. Of course, uh, he's now at his third franchise in the Memphis Grizzlies. But uh, he's getting no court time in the series uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves for for whatever reason. And uh, uh, there is, I think, a a bit of an opinion over here that that we might be seeing the last of Stephen Adams in the NBA. Is is that what you're thinking? Um, It's probably not where I'd go to start with uh, because he he really did have such a big impact for them throughout the season. I'm I'm looking at it going, okay, maybe from a a matchup point of view, he just doesn't necessarily fit this particular matchup and and would be optimistic to say that maybe he'd have an impact against some of the other teams if they progress through. Um, But yeah, it's a hard one. I, I think you forget how young he is. He's only in his late 20s, isn't he? So he's still got plenty of time from that point of view. And, and, I, and I guess like you guys, you'd love to see him back out there again. So I'm, I'm last possible when it comes to, to Stephen Adams and, and hopefully he'll be used again. But he, he's got a really good connection with some of those guys on the floor. I remember watching him through the season. So hopefully he can um, get himself back out there. Well, you know what? There is a saying in, in basketball that you can't, you can't coach seven foot. And he's always got that as an asset, I suppose. But... Uh, with that form that he's had generally throughout the season, it would be hard to imagine you could just put a full stop on him, really. Oh, 100%, exactly. That's that's why I think that there is still an opportunity there for him. Um, and who are, they, who are they playing if they advance? The Warriors. So there, there you go. Like he, He's probably got the experience to take on some of the Warriors' bigs. And again, they play small ball sometimes too, so maybe he'll be used intermittently. But... Uh, there is potential that he can still be be a valuable asset for them, and geez, they've been exciting to watch this year. So, uh, well, so yeah, hopefully, yeah. Ho- hopefully he can keep it going. Well, he's had a hell of a history against Green in the past. I can promise you that they don't uh, mm. particularly like each other. But anyway, uh, let's look at uh, what you've been up to personally. And you recently played in the Sydney Kings charity game alongside alongside. Nick Kyrgios and Anthony Mundine, two of the most popular people that have ever played sport in Australia. Uh, that was good fun. Unfortunately, uh, um, Anthony Mundine wasn't able to play in the end, so it was missing oh. it was missing that little bit of a, a spark. But uh, Nick Kyrgios certainly made up for that. He, um, he, he loved it. He loved his basketball. He was on an absolute high as well because the Celtics had just beat the Nets, and he's a, he's a massive Boston fan. So... It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, we were out there for, for the Starlight Foundation. I think they raised about $50,000 um, for the kids, which was Ooh. great. And and you see these comments about Steve, like Steve Carfino pulling Curios a jerk for taking it too seriously and that kind of thing. It just, it just makes me laugh. Um, it, everyone everyone was out there. Everything was tongue-in-cheek, tongue and um, people just wanted to enjoy themselves, which I think they did. And our SEN co-host uh, on your side of the Tasman, Jimmy Smith, was on the opposing <laughs> side, we understand. Um, and he backs himself um, as quite a player on the court. Uh, he tries to, yeah. <laughs> um, no, he was, he was great. He, he was a good sport. Um, he definitely knows his place on the basketball court now. Um, and when I think we managed to put him in it. We absolutely pumped him. Um, but, uh, but being, being such a good sport, he, uh, he thoroughly enjoyed the occasion and lapped up the limelight, I can tell you that. <laughs> hey, Joe, before, we, uh, before we, let, we, can't, we can't leave you without getting a prediction uh, on the Australian NBL, gut feeling, Melbourne-Sydney playoffs? Um, gut feeling is Melbourne-Illawarra playoffs, actually. 
Um, there's, there's something about uh, it might be Brian Gorgian just getting his teams out of these situations and and uh, coming good when it really matters. But either way, it's going to be super exciting. But I think one of the New South Wales teams will will win it. Whoever advances from the semi-final series. Cool. Okay, Joe. Thanks for that uh, insight uh, on uh, those leagues, etc. Uh, look, uh, look forward to talking to you again at some point in the future. It's been fun. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoy the day. Yeah, good. Same to you. Uh, Joe Healy there from The Basketball Show, co-host with Shane the Hammer Heel. So uh, interesting to have her uh, input there on what she thinks. Uh, I was thinking of Sydney-Melbourne final. Uh, Joe thinking Illawarra-Melbourne final. So that will be uh, interesting. That unfolds tonight, and it is uh, Sydney against Illawarra tonight to look forward to in the ANBL. It is uh, 10.19, and uh, we've got a panel to look forward to very shortly. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. And the panel this morning, I'm pleased to say, consists of Alex Chapman and Brad Lewis. Uh, good morning to you both. Uh, Alex, first of all, I can start with you. It is official. Uh, Dame uh, Lisa Carrington will be representing us in the K1 500 after an epic, epic battle uh, with Amy Fisher. Tell us a wee bit about it. Yeah, epic. Uh, a very suitable word, Smithy. Morning to you, morning, Bloss. Uh, I, I was really fortunate, actually. It's going to be, I think, one of those moments that I look back on to be down at Lake Karapiro and see two absolute titans of canoe sprint battling it out. And it really is unfortunate that only one of them can go to the World Championships. But... Carrington again, once again, showing her class. And it was really tricky conditions talking to, to both the paddlers and also to Gordon Walker, Lisa's coach afterwards, that it was kind of a straight up and down, uh, up and down tailwind, um, really bumpy, bouncy sort of conditions. And in the end, those conditions proved a little bit too much for Amy Fisher. She lost control of the boat, kind of about the 50 metre mark to go. Uh, and that was when, as Carrington often does, pounce. She is such a good finisher in that canoe and, and once again, proving why she's won five Olympic gold medals. I can only think, uh, as you say, it's sad that Amy Fisher can't go in, in that particular uh, discipline as well and have two bites at the cherry, but I can only think mm. this is great for kayaking going forward. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, The crowd yesterday was something out of a almost a world championship event. It was um, plenty of support for Amy Fisher, have to note. Uh, not not as much for Carrington as he was, and I think the fact that she was the underdog, we do love an underdog in New Zealand sport, but yeah, it, it can only be a good thing. And now the question, you know, straight after the race, it was already being posed on social media, what's it going to take for these two to be in a K2 together or even a K4 alongside a couple of others, like sort of, um, Caitlin Ryan when she returns from maternity leave. Um, it, it essentially means that Amy Fisher will probably have to return to this high performance program. We know the fact that almost two years to, to the day, I think it's May the 4th, um, that she chose to leave this canoe racing New Zealand high performance program because of athlete welfare concerns. And talking to Amy yesterday, she's very much happy. Sorry if this Walmart outside my window is making too much noise, Smithy. But um, yeah, she, she is very much happy with her decision and stands by it. But Carrington and Fisher have a really good relationship. There was a lovely moment between them afterwards where Lisa said something. Neither of them wants to share what it is, but Amy said quite loud, any time, my girl. So um, yeah, hopefully plenty more years of this rivalry to come, Smithy. Absolutely. Just 
fantastic. And the great uh, spirit between them is something uh, to cherish as well. Uh, Brad, uh, last Monday, um, Fury, Tyson Fury, the <laughs> Gypsy King, uh, was he was available to fight again. Uh, but yesterday, being Thursday, he wasn't again. Uh, what can we expect over the weekend? What kind of announcement? Uh, look, I, I don't think Tyson Fury's done. My understanding is that, um, just speaking to a couple of people that are sort of in and around Tyson Fury, is that uh, this is all a ploy. He's got two big fights on the table. Uh, one is UFC champ Francis Ngannou in a hybrid fight that would be uh, held with UFC gloves inside a boxing ring, which is really, really interesting to me. Uh, and, um, I mean, Francis Ngannou looks like the predator. He's just um, the, he's, he's a scary-looking human. Uh, and he was uh, ringside, of course, for that um, fight against Dillian White. He ended up being inside the ring and cut a promo on Dana White saying, pay me some money or I'm leaving, basically, uh, which is really interesting. And, and Tyson has often said he'd love to do a fight with the UFC champ to prove he's the baddest man on the planet. But I think ultimately, Smithy, and I said this to you last week, this is all a ploy from Tyson to be the A-side of the uh, heavyweight title fight against Usyk or Joshua, which will probably be Usyk. Mm. Um, but I think the sexier fight is Anthony Joshua. Um, but because he's only carrying the one bout plus the lineal championship, I guess the, the feeling is that, you know, the guy with the three titles is going to be the A-side. I think Fury wants that 51% of the uh, of the purse smithy, and that, that's what he's playing at here. He's got the Francis Ngannou carrot as well. So, look, I don't, I don't think he's done. I think his wife came out. Uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday, and said, "Look, he, um, I would still, you know, she said I'd like to see him be the the, the undisputed champion before he retires. So, uh, look, that fight is one away for him, and I can't see him hanging up the gloves without having that achieve that, which he which he will. He's the best fighter on the planet by a mile, and uh, he proved that again against Dillian White. He's proved it against Deontay Wilder, who's probably the second best in the world. Usyk is the future of the division, but I don't think he beats Tyson Fury." I'm just envisaging this uh, Nganu thing, um, this hybrid affair. I mean, Gip, the Gypsy King, uh, he's used to bare knuckle fighting, so the size of the gloves probably doesn't matter to him. And uh, Not. and his jaw either, for that matter. He's copped a bit of skin on his jaw. So uh, uh, how would you think that would go? I think Tyson Fury would completely destroy Francis Ngannou, if I'm being completely honest, and that's coming from probably the biggest UFC fan in New Zealand, Smithy. I just... Uh, Francis does, doesn't have great cardio. He's he's not particularly quick. He does have ridiculous knockout power. Like he can knock you out with a finger. Um, I mean, he knocked out the greatest heavyweight champ in Stipe Miocic with a with a jab uh, to win the title. So, look, I I, um, I think that's an, that's that's an easy night for for Tyson Fury as long as he avoids the sort of first two or three minutes of that fight. Uh, I'm not sure what the rules are around the times of the rounds. I think they were proposing a six-round, two-minute round fight, so six rounds over two minutes, which would kind of play into Francis's realm, and he wouldn't have to worry about takedowns, but I think Tyson would play with them much like Floyd Mayweather played with Conor McGregor. Okay, uh, fellas, if you just stay with us, uh, uh, be patient for a minute or two. We've got a, a bit of a break to take, and... Uh, when we come back, uh, we might be talking some Warriors with both of you, which all of a sudden has become quite a ballsy subject. Here's how to work with the 10.30 edition. <laughs> the panel. Yeah, 10.32 when we're joined on the panel for part two by, by Alex Chapman and Brad Lewis. Uh, Alex, uh, an interesting weekend of Super Rugby ahead of us because uh, all the Australian sides are actually on their home patches this week, as well as Fiji, uh, Fiji and Drua being in Suva. So 
Uh, I think that'll just add a little bit of flavour to what's coming up for the New Zealand sides. How do you how do you think it's going to pan out? More domination? I know you like a flutter as much as anyone. I think there's actually good money to be made this weekend on the Aussie teams beating a couple of Kiwi sides. The, the Brumbies not to be favoured against a somewhat understrength Hurricanes team. And then Moana Pacifica, a massive outsiders against the Rebels, who are the worst Australian team. So... I wouldn't be surprised if we walk away from this weekend with, and also the Chiefs without Sam Kane. If we walk away with this weekend with two, maybe three upsets, I wouldn't be massively surprised. I think the Blues will absolutely pants the Western Force, and despite not having Richie Moonga, the Crusaders should also cruise to another win. But man, there's, there's some interesting odds in there, Smithy. There are interesting odds, and you know I've been talking about it for most of the week, and I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. Uh, the Highlanders are one and eight, visiting yeah. Suva and the Fijian Drua uh, Alex, who have not been home, never played there as an entity themselves. But I think that's a bit of a lion's den scenario here for Tony Brown and Co. You wouldn't want to go in there. The, the record they've got, the way they're playing at the moment, and a Fijian Drua side that, like Moana Pacifica, just grow in confidence the more time they have together and the more that they play with each other. It's... it's yeah, a really good weekend of footy. And I'm, I'm probably more excited about this weekend than I was last weekend, to be honest. There's some amazing matchups in there. Okay, let's uh, head across to uh, the Warriors if we can. Uh, Brad, and uh, I really do, oh. I almost cringe when I, I, when I bring this up, and you'll know why uh, most blokes <laughs> would. Uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita played with a ruptured <laughs> testicle. Uh, well, we've heard oh, the stories of uh, Buck Shelford and Ross Ross Taylor, and I, I almost cringe when I ask you what you make of this. And he didn't miss a tackle, Smithy. And when you consider they missed about 7,000 tackles in that game, that's a pretty impressive uh, performance from CHT, who's probably been one of the standout players this year. Um, off, on the shelf now for five weeks, and no man would blame him for that, Smithy. Um, I have been in the unfortunate situation where I've had a similar similar injury in it. Not not comfortable by any means, but like I think it, it, it's testament to the type of bloke that Chanel Harris Devita is. He's playing for his contract this year, and on a night when the team across the board was an embarrassment, kind of puts a shining light on him playing through that pain, and I'm sure earns some kudos from the coaching staff as well. Um, and hopefully, I think down the line he ends, he ends up getting a Warriors contract as well. Although word is that that might not be happening, but. Yeah, um, I just think big props to him for soldiering on and playing, what, 46 minutes with a ruptured testicle? Whew. That, include, that includes being in there at half-time. And not, did he not consult with someone saying, I'm not feeling 100% down there, would you mind? Oh, God. No? Well, apparently they looked at him for a couple of minutes and, um, and he kind of told the trainer, now, look, I'm, I'm all good. It's probably just, I'm probably just winded and played on and, uh, yeah, um, oh, a, a crazy story. And, and again, as I said, just shows the toughness of the young bloke. Okay, let's uh, then uh, look at their prospects, uh, the Warriors, this weekend. Because all of a sudden, without him, confirmation he's out for a month, they become very thin in the halves. And I believe Sean Johnson is the only fully fit one in that bracket that they started with. Uh, and Sean Johnson was uh, anything but flash last week. Yeah, look, uh, and they've got, what, the young North Queensland half, um, Dejan RC. I think, I've, I don't look, I'm sure Chappie will correct me on, on, on that pronunciation. Uh, but 
uh, what, he's trained with the team once this week, and now he's uh, in, in line for his debut. And, and you're right, Sean Johnson had a night to forget, but, I mean, they all did, right? I guess you got to just line through that game and realize that you're just not at the level of, of a top four side like Melbourne Storm. I mean, you're not a 60-point worse team than them, but, um, you know, at the same time, maybe let's put a line through that. Well, I think the Warriors have to anyway, but... Yeah, uh, a, a big, big, big night for Sean Johnson. Canberra aren't exactly flashy this morning. I think that's the advantage the Warriors have going into this game is they're playing another team that is really low in confidence and has actually been really poor this season. Um, again, their 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 roster is, is fairly decent, Canberra's, but their players have have flattered to the all season. So that might be the silver lining is that they have a chance to get back in the W column. If they don't win this game, then I think we can write off season 2022 already, um, which is a shame given they're five or six weeks from returning home uh, for the game against the West Tigers. Yeah, it's vitally important they stay in contention for at least as long as that. Totally agree with you uh, on that one. Hey, uh, Alex, the, the Blackburn Sevens return to the World Series this weekend. They've been sitting watching uh, from home for various reasons, but it's nice to have uh, the crown jewel in the series back and one of our blue ribbon teams all of a sudden back in action as well. Their first World Series event in over 800 days. Imagine that. The fact that their only real tournament since this whole pandemic began was Tokyo is mind-blowing. And as you say, Smithy, one of our, our leading teams, one of our most successful teams, the current Olympic gold medalists, they have dominated that World Series in recent years. It... I, I honestly can't imagine barely playing for 800 days. That's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's unfathomable. Um, but you wouldn't want to play them, would you? Despite the fact that they've barely been playing, no. you'd still be putting a bit of coin on the fact for them to win the tournament this weekend, wouldn't you? And can we just oh, call Alan Bunting the coach and waiting for the Black Ferns? Can we just like come out and say that? Like, what is he, the cultural development officer or something? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> yep. Let's just call him the coach and waiting, please. Well, yeah, it's cultural really and leadership uh, manager. Yeah. What is that? You, you carry right. on. Yeah. What what is what does that tag actually mean to you, Alex? To be to be perfectly honest, uh, to me it means holy hell, is it that bad? Yeah, I, I somewhat disagree with Brad. I don't think he is going to be completely the the coach in waiting because the reason he stepped away from this very good Black Ferns Sevens team and environment as well, an environment which he led and helped build alongside the likes of Sarah Hidene, um, was because of the travel. So if the Black Ferns are to start playing more overseas in particular, um, now that COVID has kind of died down a little bit, then I'm not sure if he'll sign on for that. But if, if their schedule remains somewhat similar as it has over the last few years in terms of playing only really three tests a year overseas, then yeah, he, he probably will be the next Black Ferns coach. In terms of his title, the fact that that was mentioned more in that review um, than Glenn Moore, then I think they, that says that he needs to go in. He needs to probably judge a few things up. And also, he, he knows a lot of these players from their time with the Blackburn Sevens as well, and also, albeit a really short time, also with the Chiefs as well. So um, he, he's going to be a real key cog, almost that behind-the-scenes person, I think. And, and it just allows Wayne Smith and Sir Graham Henry to have another pair of, of steady hands alongside them so they can just focus on the on-field stuff. Mm, don't know much about uh, Whitney Hanson. Uh, Alex, do you, have you got any background on Whitney Hanson? No, obviously daughter of Steve Hanson, but 
uh, this has been a bit of a sneaker for me to come through and all of a sudden have this kind of spot because if anyone's a coach in waiting, it, surely it, it's Whitney Hanson. Isn't that the way things are progressing? I think so. And, and I think that's what we need to be seeing more of is, is women's coaches coaching women's teams. We talked about it last week with the White Ferns, the fact that New Zealand cricket have the preference of a female coach with the White Ferns. I think New Zealand rugby, while they may not say it, would really love to have a female coach as the next coach of the Black Ferns. And Whitney Hanson has got there on far more than her surname and the fact that her father is one of our greatest ever coaches. Apparently she is a magnificent thinker of the game. As you'd expect, she's probably had it absolutely drummed into her, whether she wants it or not, from a young age by Sir Steve. Um, and, and he speaks incredibly highly of her in terms of her rugby brain as well. So for a man that doesn't give out too many compliments, you, you, you take that with a, a tip of the cap. Yeah, an interesting one uh, for me, that one, Brad, and uh, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll keep it going um, in that respect uh, and keep our eyes on uh, what develops out of that squad going forward because they're running out of time. Two issues, uh, two interesting individual issues overseas that weren't on the original list for us to talk about, fellas, but... Phil Mickelson's uh, departure, it seems, uh, Brad, from the PGA uh, for just a, a, a trifling sum of $42 million New Zealand dollars as a lure to begin with. $42 million, I hasten to add. <laughs> will, it split the, will it split the golfing world? Well, what has he been called this week? Like a rat in the drain pipe or something? Like, uh, yeah... Um... Look, he he's been touted has been has been quite keen to take this payday right from the get go where the other players are dropping out like flies. He always seemed to be trying to push some of the players in that direction, which is no surprise given he's at the uh, sort of end of his his career. But forty two million dollars would be hard to turn down. I mean, I'd struggle to turn down forty two dollars to come on this panel, Smithy. So like, uh, yeah, you know, like um, I could definitely see, I could de- <laughs> I could definitely see um his reasons for it. Um and but. I mean, are they going to be able to draw any other names? I see Sergio Garcia is potentially linked as well, and uh, Lee Westwood guys that are kind of again towards the end of their career. But I, I guess world stars that we know, the Spieths and the Brooks Kepkas of the world, probably won't be part of well, won't be part of this event, and they've already confirmed that. Alex uh, Ben Stokes, captain of all England in Test cricket, uh, so two Kiwis will be walking out to toss on June the 2nd at the Hello Turf of Lords. Uh, this will be an interesting one for a guy who looks, uh, for a guy like uh, Ben Stokes, who's already, already lived a life in the media. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, the fact that Blues apparently gets paid $42 for this panel, that's news to me, so I'm going to have to tell the producer for that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... I <laughs> uh, yeah, ben, ben Stokes was the obvious option, wasn't he? The, it, I'd, I'd say a few months ago, Broad and Anderson's names would have been in there, but they seemingly have somewhat of a bit of a tarnished relationship with the ECB now after being dropped for that tour of the West Indies. And no doubt that Anderson in particular will be a really solid confidant and, and lieutenant for um, Ben Stokes. I don't think he'll do it long term. He, he won't do it like we see with Williamson here, for example. I'd say he's maybe been told just get us through to the next Ashes, potentially, and then we'll reassess. And it gives them time to to bring some guys in, blood them, and have guys who, who are leadership options consistently in the team. The one that often gets flown or thrown around and has been thrown around 
uh, particularly by UK press, is Sam Billings. But Sam Billings has played one test, and he had to drive you know, across Australia to be able to play in that one test. So if they can get someone like a Billings consistently in there, someone like a Johnny Bairstow regularly being able to play and, and knowing and understanding his role. And I think that's what the real key timing of when Root got appointed was he was in that team. He was no longer being chopped around as does he bat uh, does he open, does he bat three, does he bat four, does he bat five? He was in that team as a genuine um, option at number four. He understood his own game as a batsman, and we've seen him reap benefits as a result of that. The, the, the next captain of England, after Ben Stokes, needs to understand their game, and Ben Stokes obviously understands his at the moment. He's, he's the best all-rounder in the world. Alex Chapman and Brad Lewis have been on the panel this morning at uh, the high cost to us of 84 bucks, fellas. As uh, they say in the old days, the checks in the mail, uh, but don't waste too long at the letterbox. Thanks very much. We'll have another one on uh, Monday morning. Time for a break here on SENZ. For all winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, it is 10.50 here on SENZ and uh, yes, confirmed that uh, Ben Stokes will be the English Test Captain. Yes, the Test Captain. They're looking at perhaps splitting the role Test Captain, White Ball Captain. Well, the White Ball Captain uh, has been uh, Owen Morgan up until this point and we know how successful he has been. They're all also uh, looking also at uh, splitting uh, the coaching roles as well. And it's quite interesting that they have appointed Ben Stokes. It's a board appointment as such rather than the current coach having his input, because uh, the best of nine, uh, my knowledge, they have not got a, a, a test coach and they haven't got a one-day coach either. So a very interesting that you are going to appoint a coach and say, this is your captain, good luck with the job, as opposed to saying, you've got the job and who would you like as your captain? Interesting way to go about things. So uh, that out of England, also out of England, uh, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp has signed a two-year deal uh, to extend his contract. That will uh, leave him at Anfield till 2026, which gives the club a huge boost uh, ahead of uh, that defining period in which they could win an unprecedented quadruple. I mean, why wouldn't you have him? And if the money's good, why wouldn't you, as a coach, want to stay there? Uh, there are so many words, Klopp said, I could use to describe how I'm feeling about this news. Delighted, humbled, blessed, privileged and excited would be a great start. So uh, that is uh, a great uh, knowledge for Liverpool fans going forward certainty there when there's so much uh, uncertainty in other aspects of the sporting world. Uh, we'll be talking to Louis Herman Watt and go to uh, Pip Morris at the TAB very shortly. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Theloveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Louis Herman Watt uh, with us this morning, very, very quickly indeed. 11 race card at Rotorua today. So, Louis, give, give us one to give us some funds for the weekend. Yeah, 100%. Simple. The Mighty Spa. Race number eight. Opie up. Slightly sticky draw. Was Mark, Wait- Mark Walker's uh, best of the weekend in a similar race? Well, actually, a better race. Uh, 74 at Tarapa two weekends ago and it didn't quite get the chocolates but it ran on off the speed which what you where you didn't want to be that day clever odds won it it came out and won a, it came out and run a really nice race last weekend the mighty spa race eight and if you want to fill up in the last for the get out let's ride the hot hand those Waikato stud colors are on fire at the moment podium Opie again I reckon Opie has a bit of a fill up today and so do we 
Uh, and uh, for the Travis uh, tomorrow in the Breeders' Stakes? Uh, tell Alyssa it's one of our best horses, mate. This is her last run. It's her swan song before she heads to the breeding barn. She'll be too good, unfortunately, for Cinerama. As Al Sharrick said to us this morning, he would need a lot and a lot of luck. Um, and uh, we're just waiting to see if uh, we've got Pip uh, on the line from the TAV, but um, I'm not sure that we have, so uh, I might just stick with you, uh, Louis Herman. What, what about uh, racing in Australia this weekend? Anything to look forward to? There's the uh, Hawkesbury Cup, I'm pretty sure. Um, Hawkesbury Cup, and it's actually the field's come up pretty good. Now, t- uh, who's turned up back here? Uh, a tissue. A tissue has turned back up to the races after she stayed in the barriers last time. So that was pretty bizarre. So she's had a freshen up. They reckon they've worked out her barrier manners. And Jay Ford jumps on at 54. I mean, she's a talented a talented mare at her best. So they've got the, the uh, Go Racing colours have her in the race. And they've also got White Eddie Pools down the book. Okay, uh, Louis, have a great weekend. Um, and uh, punt well, my friend. Punt well. We'll speak to you again on Monday. Uh, got a thumb. Pip is there from the uh, TAB. Pip, so quick this morning. We've uh, run out of time. We're late getting to you. Sorry. Um, big uh, big weekend coming up for Greyhounds. Yeah, certainly is, Millie. Today, Palmerston North, really like a dog in race number three, three shirt day. And the bonus black blitz is back this weekend across six meetings, but the first three races, you've got Invercargill, Tarapla, Wanganui domestically, and then across the Tasman, Eagle Farm, and Mortsitville. And one other just slips my mind there. But do check out the bonus back blitz on TRB.co.nz. Looking forward to the weekend and the Travis Stakes there. Best back to Elicit. Hopefully she can get her win there. Smithy in her last race. Thanks very much, uh, Pip. You'll be pleased to know we've got Jean McCook on in the next hour. Uh, Janine McCook on in the next hour to focus more on greyhounds as well. It is 11 o'clock. It's time for Araha with the news. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 11.03 and we're heading into the Crusaders camp now to talk to a bloke who's so happy to be back there, I'm sure, playing rugby again. It's been a long absence, a long period of uh, recovery and uh, rehabilitation for Jack Goodhue, of course, uh, All Black Centre as well. But he's back in that uh, number 13 role tomorrow as they line up uh, against the Waratahs. So uh, let's uh, look at... uh, that uh, particular return of uh, Jack Goodhue. Jack, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Back playing footy. How good does it feel? Yeah, it does feel good. I am happy to be back. Um, you know, when you kind of spend a, a year not playing and you start to uh, yeah, have a major injury like that, you, you, know, you just come back and you just try to make the most of every game, you know, more so than before. Okay, let's uh, look at one of your teammates uh, who went down and looks like uh, this calendar year's done and dusted pretty much for uh, Joe Moody, which is a, a really big loss to you guys up front, um, and I suppose as a as a presence in the squad too. Yeah, I feel for Joe, you know, back-to-back major injuries like that. Um, yeah, it will be tough. It will be tough to, to come back from, but he's, um, he's resilient. He's a hard worker. Um, as far as the the team goes, um, you know how how strong he is, how much of an impact he is on that field. Uh, but we've got some great young props that can um, that can cover him. But uh, still, you know, a huge loss. Jack, your pathway back included, uh, I understand, a bit of club rugby as well. I think I remember reading that uh, in an article. Um, so when you first came back, how confident were you in your body? I mean, a, a year out is a hell of a long time to come back into a contact sport. 
<laughs> yeah. No, yeah, yeah, it is a long time, but um, you know, I've got um, awesome coaches and, and uh, medical staff that yeah get me prepped for that moment. Um, you know, the knee knee felt good. I went in uh, into that club game confident in the knee, more so the kind of the mindset around you know can I still go out there and uh, do what I've done you know beforehand, and and that's just a um, a time thing as well as just uh, reassuring yourself that I, I still have that um, same skill set. How relieved were you to get through that? I mean, uh, unscathed as such. I mean, because sometimes when you, you look to protect one area which has been under pressure, it leaves other areas of the body a, a little bit vulnerable. So did, did you feel that way at all? Um, look, I, I was just, you know, firstly, like, concerned for, you know, the knee. I was like, this is a, that was a big test for the knee, getting through that club game. I wasn't really worried about... Um, you know, anything else. I got through that game, thought I'd, um, you know, done it right, done done what I needed to do. Um, and that just gives me the insurance to go out there and play um, rugby. Jack, uh, now that you're back in um, the, the group that, you know, is dear to you and, and the Crusaders, uh, tell us about uh, the hit out last week against the Rebels. How did you feel that went? Because uh, uh, all accounts, uh, I watched a bit of it myself, uh, it went pretty good for you uh, as an individual. Nice return. Yeah, I was I was happy with it. You know, got a few touches on the ball. Um, you know, trying to put my outsides into space. You know, it was a frustrating um, you know game as a team, and yeah, that just sometimes happens. But um, all you can do is just control you know your own game and, and try and bring out the best in your teammates. Um, and no doubt, you know, we'll, we'll be putting in a, um, a stronger, more consistent performance this weekend. Well, I mean. I don't know if uh, the midfield area is any stronger around the world in terms of a, a super-type franchise than, than you guys have got. You know, with Braden Enner there, uh, you've got uh, David Harvelli, you've got Lester Fionganuku making strides as well. Uh, so yeah. um, I guess you were pretty keen to get back in there and stake your claim. Yeah, man. It's a, yeah, I've, got a, I've got a huge challenge ahead of me as far as, you know, you know kind of trying to get my starting spot back and you know, there's some all those guys, Lester, Braden, David, quality quality players with um, some good experience behind them now as well. Um, but that just makes the team better, and I, I always put the team first, and and we'll just uh, continue, you know, making it each other better. So, yeah, very fortunate uh, position to be in as far as the Crusaders to have um, such good backs and and particularly midfielders as well. And the midfielders' combinations are hugely important in terms of your defensive alignments. Of course, uh, you're attacking uh, efforts too, but uh, it's important that you know the people around you. And tomorrow, of course, you've got David Harvelli inside you, uh, and that's a player you've uh, spent a bit of time with. Yeah, yeah, Davey's awesome. You know, he's got such a good skill set on him. Um, it really kind of drives the team as well, great leader. Uh, so, yeah, we play plenty of... Um, footy together, so it'll be awesome to get that combination going again. Right, you've got the Waratahs tomorrow. Let's uh, look forward to that. Now, the Waratahs are a side that have had their woes. There's no um, two ways about that. They've underperformed for a number of years now. The word is that they're perhaps getting uh, just a, a little bit more back on track. What kind of uh, homework have you, have you been able to do on the Waratahs? Yeah, they've got some uh, good ball carriers. You know, um, Zaya Parisi has been playing well there in centre. Um, you know, the props are, are very mobile as well and they can they can carry as well as, the, you know, the rest of the forward pack. So, 
yeah, we're aware that you know they can score tries, so it would just be about um, you know making sure our structures are in place and and really you know treating every player out there as a threat as we always do. But yeah, the Waratahs, you know, as we saw last week, that they can um, score points and, and and win any game really. Let's uh, look at the, the Crusaders now. A lot of people are uh, saying, in fact, someone wrote a headline on stuff during the week. You might not have, might have uh, read it. That the dynasty is over. Uh, it's time for the Crusaders to uh, to realise uh, what other sides have been going through. Now it, it hasn't been a vintage season. I mean, you've only lost two matches, and you're still very much right in there. So, what is what is the feeling within the group? Oh, sorry, I thought you were better than that. Not you're not getting roped into that clickbait. But um, yeah, the feeling, <laughs> the feeling, the feeling's good. The feeling's good. Um, you know, we, we're always building. We're, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect season. Um, but you know, credit to the Blues and you know, they're a well-rounded team with some awesome players. So, you know, we know um, any like any championship, it doesn't it doesn't come easy. There's a lot of a lot of work that goes into it, and we're prepared to do that work. Um, and yeah. And at the end of the day, it is rugby, and we've just got to prepare the best we can and, and then go out there and do our best. See, Jack, it's not that I've been sucked into the clickbait. It's just, here's the thing. I mean, you guys are the closest thing we've had to perfection at this level for donkey's years now, and all of a sudden it doesn't look all that perfect. So we're a wee bit, we're a wee bit worried, and we're, we're wondering what's missing. What, what is the element that's missing? Is it Jack Goodyear that's missing? May I? Look, I think you could go back, you know, throughout you know, most of those last you know, five years or of um Crusaders football and, and look and see that, you know, each year had those moments where it wasn't perfect. You know, I remember um in twenty seventeen, um, we came I think we you know, lost to the, the Hurricanes after the the British and Irish Lions tour and you know everyone was already writing us off then, so um look I, I just think it's you know, there's no such thing as really a perfect season, as you're saying. No, I think you're right, actually. Uh, it's a, a bit tongue-in-cheek there. But uh, what, I, um, what I'm also concerned about, too, is um, one of your good buddies, um, uh, Anton Leonard-Brown. I mean, we see during this interview, we've only really talked about injuries, it seems. But there we go again. And uh, for ALB, it's going to be a long battle back, back uh, something that you know well. Yeah, yeah, I feel for Anton. Yeah, he's resilient. Um, yeah, I know he's often had um, yeah, kind of shoulder issues. I'm not sure if that's related. Um, but yeah, he'll he'll get back. Um, and no doubt he'll come back um, faster and stronger as well and better. What's it like being on the road, mate? It's been a while. We've uh, we've seen you uh, a little bit around New Zealand. Uh, we've seen the Crusaders pretty much at home, but being on the road. Uh, Rugby teams on the road, that, that it's pretty cool, isn't it? It is good. It is good. Um, yeah, it's a chance just for yeah you know, the boys to kind of get together, get to know each other a bit more. Um, it's always a chance to grow our game as well. When we spend a lot more time together, we can have those kind of conversations. Um, of course, you know, tough being away from the family and stuff, but yeah, you know, tour isn't, isn't too long. You know, um, I think three and a half weeks total we're away for so um, yeah it's pretty good and Leichhardt Oval tomorrow is the venue Some uh, I thought it might have been the, the SCG or one of those other 
pretty boy rugby stadiums in the middle of the town. But Leichhardt Oval, uh, have you had any experience there or uh, you've got a captain's run there or something? Um, no, I've, the boys played there last year, I'm pretty sure, which of course I wasn't part of. But um, no, I don't, I don't have any experience there. But I heard it's a good stadium and definitely looking forward to um, playing there. Okay, Jack, uh, well, all we can say is it's great to see you back uh, in Crusaders colours, mate, uh, and uh, with what uh, uh, possibly is coming up in the black jersey as well for you later in the year. You're back on track for that, which is great news for all of us. So go well tomorrow. Uh, all the best against the, uh, the uh, Waratahs and for the re- remainder of the season as well. Thanks, Luffy. Appreciate it, mate. You have a good one. Yep, will do, Jack. Uh, all the best to you, mate. Good bugger, uh, Jack Goodhue, northern boy, but uh, applying his trade, of course, for a long, long time down uh, for the Crusaders and uh, terrific All Black as well. So uh, we have to hope that uh, his road to recovery keeps on going, keeps on going. So uh, Morning Smithy, can you wish Jack uh, all the best from his UK club, me- club mate uh, uh, and his friends from up north as well. I will do that. Uh, Graham from uh, Marlborough, formerly from Northland. Um, yeah, I'll uh, do that next time I see him. My text just arrived just a, a touch late for that this morning, mate. So uh, uh, we shall do that. Now, uh, what have we got coming up for the remainder of the hour? Uh, we will be talking to Janine McCook very shortly. Janine McCook, you know the name McCook, and you know the name McCook is associated with greyhounds. Uh, you thought it was only about Andy. Well, it's not. It's more about Janine, and we're going to find out more about uh, this lovely lady very shortly. We're going to have a stump smithy uh, at uh, around about 11.32, just after the news. We shall then, of course, check in with Mick Guerin uh, for all our harness racing information leading into a, a really busy weekend, four meetings in all uh, around the country there, and uh, also those shows that Mick has incorporated with here on SENZ over a very busy weekend of sport and racing. It is coming up to 11.16 here on SENZ. The Kenneth Hire phone line. Cool. There's shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, 11.20 here on SENZ. And when you say the name McCook, uh, you always say uh, Andy McCook. He's uh, one of our Greyhound commentators, one of our Greyhound uh, experts as well. Uh, but there's more to the McCook name than Andy and Greyhounds. And uh, we're going to talk now to the lovely Janine McCook, uh, who joins us today, courtesy of Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Uh, Janine, thanks so much for a bit of time this morning. Hey, no worries. Hey, look, uh, Janine McCook, you've been involved and your family's been involved in the industry for uh, a long, long time. And some people are saying uh, for you it's well in excess of oh, coming up to about the 40-year mark, Janine, now. Uh, for over the last month or so, we've been talking to a lot of greyhound racing personalities, and it seems when you get into it, you're almost in, into it for life. Yeah, absolutely. It gets in your blood, and it's harder to get out than get in. Why, why, why is that? Oh, you just create a, a love for the game, the, the dogs, um, the passions there, and um, I've grown up with it because I was really young obviously when we got into it being over 40 years ago and um yeah I, I've grown up with them I love my dogs I, I just I just love dealing with them they're wonderful animals the more you put in the more they give you back and um yeah it's, it's just a it's a wonderful lifestyle to be fair 
So tell us a wee bit about um, your your in, involvement as such. What what is um, what have you with now? For instance, how many greyhounds uh, have you got at home now, and and what is the program as you look to go from season to season? Yeah, um, well we've got a, we've got a large amount of greyhounds now. I've got a um, great bunch of owners that are, have, have put a lot of faith in me um, in the last few years, and um, their pups have sort of come through. So now we're up at probably just over the hundred hundred dog mark in the, in the place. So. Um, there's myself and a couple of full-time workers and then Andy when he's not working um, of um, the other stuff so he helps out too so um, it's, it's full-time gig really and um, yeah over 100 dogs there's a lot to do. I was going to say 100 dogs so that's feeding, training, administering to their welfare etc, grooming all yep. that sort of thing uh, that wouldn't leave many spare minutes in the day would it? No 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 it's seven days a week um, you know Sometimes it feels like 20 hours a day. Uh, there's not much time for sleeping. Is, is when you're not out here working on them or working with them, you're working out where they're going, what we're doing, you know, what what's next, and uh, the pups and and everything. And there's, there's a lot and there's a lot involved, but um, I wouldn't have it any other way. You wouldn't have it. Okay, so let's let's we're pretty fully aware of uh, of with horses etc how long their racing campaigns and that might last for on a, on season by season let's look at uh, a dog's average campaign in terms of uh, how many races you can fit into a, a certain program they clearly they race more often than horses etc but uh, what do you look to do is it, is it very much an individual thing or do you have set programs uh, no it's very individual um i have a plan pretty much for every dog um where they're going what we aim on, um, and that, and so forth. So um, it, it depends what tracks they run best at. I, I mainly concentrate on Addington now. Um, there's four meetings here a week, unless there's big races elsewhere. We kind of just um, we stay local and um, focus on the programming here. But uh, when you've got some nice dogs around you, like we're getting now, you've sort of got to look further afield and and add the other ones into it as well. So. There's a, there's a lot of planning goes into it. Um, you can't just go week to week. Um, it's uh, something you, you've got to pre-plan everything. So a lot of people say would say, Janine, I, I look at the stakes, and I do. I look at the stakes for greyhounds, and obviously you'd like them to be higher. Why wouldn't you? But uh, it, it doesn't seem to be a heck of a lot of money on offer on race day for the work that you put in. So my simple question is, you know, how do you survive? Um, yeah, really speaking, I don't think the state money's too bad. Um, I, I think we've, we've come a long way with that. Um, the, the fact that your dogs can race, uh, um, a fair bit, you know, like within reason. Um, I don't like putting them around too much, but, um, and the owners and, and so forth as well chip in, of course, with the training fees and, and especially with the pups. Um, rearing fees and things like that so all of that sort of pays to keep the place running um, and then any stake money you earn is on top of that so that's your cream on top So when you look at uh, perhaps having 100 greyhounds at home, uh, the first thing I think of is, uh, you know, greyhounds are greyhounds are greyhounds, but not. But do you know the, all those 100 greyhounds very well individually? Absolutely Absolutely yep. How do you do no, that? Um, How do you do that? Wow. Oh, when you're spending as much time as I am with them every day, um, you know, they but they become really special to you. So um, every dog's got a name on the place. Um, they all know their name. They um, they get, yeah, cuddled and treated every day. 
um, you know, when you've got to have enough people to get around and, and do all of that because what you, as I say before, what you put into them is what you get out in the end. Okay, so let's go, deep, go a little bit deeper in there. So how's your, how's your kennel set up? I mean, for 100 dogs, you do it by, by age, by breed, by, you know, family units as such, or how, how do you spread them out? Yep, no, we've got um, we've got what we call the racing kennel, so the main dogs that are in full racing work or breaking in to learn the racing game, they're in, um, they're in individual kennels. Um, we've got five five or six blocks of those, um, and then they have empty yards in front of them, so they all get out and, and pampered a bit. Uh, then down, further down, we've got uh, paddocks with pups, pups in them, so we all go in with them. Every day they, we go in and walk around them and make sure they're all right, feed them, water them, all of that. So they're mainly in their family groups um, until you have to split them down. Um, and, yeah, so, and the old girls, they've got their area as well, the old brew bitches. And, um, and yeah, so it's all segregated into to, to where they're at, at their, at their ages and uh, at their part in, in the racing life. So how many of the hundred, how many of the greyhounds come into your kennel from, from the outside or how many are internally bred from your breeding setup? Uh, we breed a lot here. As I said, um, we've got uh, two or three owners that have put a lot of um, money and, and effort into um, supplying us with really good of their brew bitches. And it, so a lot of their pups are theirs. Um, so I would say most of them are bred here. Uh, we get, we've had a few from... Uh, Hunters HQ in Australia race dogs that they've sent over as racing racing dogs. They've come into the racing part, um, and we've got uh, probably a handful of others that have come from from other trainers. But most of it's done in house. Janine, one of the great issues, uh, and it's not a terrific issue to talk about, but that you have to because it raises its ugly head from time to time. Is the welfare of greyhounds, which is something you're very very passionate about. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I keep saying it, and it's kind of my motto, what you put in is what you get out. And I'm a great believer of that. Um, they, they're my kids. Um, I put everything into my babies. So, um, yeah, it's it's just part of part of being a trainer. You've got to be able to look after them. You've got to give them the best care they can get. We've got fantastic vets down in this area as well. Um, that... Mm. If you have a problem, you can get straight in there and, and get it sorted. So um, it costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of money to look after them, but it's money well spent. Do you and Andy have any downtime? I mean, do you have any other, uh, have you, do you have the chance for any other interests with that, that uh, kind of volume of work you've got on between raising them, racing them, uh, and him calling them? Um, not really. Not really. Not a huge amount of time. We try, we try and... Uh, get a day away somewhere or, or that. But um, no, our last proper holiday was probably our honeymoon three years ago. <laughs> so um, yeah, the odd the odd day here and there and, and the odd afternoon off is quite nice. You know, you, you treasure those times. But uh, we live and breed greyhounds. Um, he has and his passions come through, like, come through in his calls and in his work. Um, he, he loves it. I, I love it. And... As I say, it's, it's very much our life. Well, Janine, we can't let you go without perhaps tipping, into, uh, tipping us into a greyhound coming up shortly, please. 
Oh dear, I just had three winners yesterday, so that's going to be hard on me because I will always pick the wrong one. <laughs> um, let me let me think. Oh. Oh, We've got one of those um, ones backing up shortly. We've got one of those backing up again that might win second time round. Well, the, not one of the nicest young dogs I've got is Epic Rooster. Um, he's in next Tuesday, I think. I think he's drawn box eight, which won't suit him. He's probably better near the rail, but he's a very fast dog, and he's very much an up-and-comer. Janine, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you and uh, getting an insight into a very big operation, 100 dogs there. So uh, thanks very much for your time this morning. Good luck uh, going forward with uh, all you've got to do. It's been, it's been fun thank and enlightening. Thank you. Oh, good. Thank you very much. Thank you, Janine McCook there. Uh, uh, she is uh, the wife of uh, Andy McCook, or more to the point, Andy McCook is uh, her husband. Um, and she's got a very, very busy job looking after up to 100 dogs at once, knows them all individually, all their names, uh, all their looks, all their uh, little habits and things that they need to have looked after. Brilliant stuff. Uh, it is 11.31 here on SENZ, 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811. Uh, we're up to 100 bucks you could get for the weekend in terms of TAB vouchers, and also, you can win the sleep drops going into the weekend as well. Get on the phone, 0800 It is time to stump Smithy. In around about three minutes' time, prior to that, it's time for the news. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, what a way to end of the weekend here with SNZ Mornings, uh, with, uh, of course, Ian Smith. Stumped up to $100 TAB bonus bet plus some sleep drops. Daytime revived. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of strip, stress, uh, sleep and stress support supplements. Sorry, Smithy. Going into the weekend, $100 to give away. How are you feeling going into this? Yeah, I'd like to think if I win, you could give it to me, but that's not part of the rules. But <laughs> um, I, I don't mind giving it away on a Friday. Uh, you know, we're, it's made round to go round, and here's, here's a great chance, a great chance for someone to start the weekend and profit. And profit. Yeah, and a big weekend of sport, of course. Uh, joining us first at the crease, uh, we have Chris. Come in, Chris. Where are you calling from, mate? Uh, Foxton, Chris, yeah. Um, g'day, Smithy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, g'day, Chris. Okay, right, okay. I know we, we had a bit of a history, you and I. So, And you've come out on top more often than not. So today's the day yeah, for me, brother. Good, Good luck. <laughs> If you give it away, you can give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Love, love, oh, always love a bit of banter between the between the callers. This is great. All right. So for those uh, listening for the first time, this is how the game works. Get a question wrong, then it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock our contestants' bails off. Get out within the first two questions, and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on that final question, and we will jackpot again through to Monday. Uh, if both get that last one wrong, though, then I'll call it. We'll get the TAB bonus bet, but not the sleep drops. Now, Chris, for you today, our topics are netball, basketball, and New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games. Take your pick. I'll go New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games. All right, here we go. Of course, the countdown is on for the Commonwealth Games. At 
at the 2018 Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast, New Zealand won 46 medals. Where did that place them on the overall medal table? Third. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Very confident answer, but Smithy, what do you think? Well, Australia would be one at home. England, I think, would uh, top them as well. Canada might get them, particularly uh, in the pool. Um, I'm going to say they were top five. I'm going to say fourth. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Fifth. Fifth, that's how close you were, Smithy. Stumping on the first ball. Uh, Yes, Australia was at the top, and then there was also England, India, and Canada. Uh, So on to the next question for you, Chris. The women's black sticks yep. won gold at the 2018 games. What position did the men's black sticks team finish? Uh, bronze medal. One of the worst things I have ever <laughs> seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, over to you. Well, I think they, they well, clearly didn't get a medal. Um, I'm thinking that the, the men's black sticks uh, finished. I think they'd probably end the playoff fifth and sixth and finish sixth. Mm. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I almost thought for a second, yeah, I thought you were going to go the other way for a second there, Smithy. They got silver. They lost to the Aussies 2-0 in the gold medal match. Oh, Oh, God. Thanks for that, Ian. (laughs) Don't worry worry about the the silver medals, will you? Yeah. Okay, moving on. It's all good, mate. Uh, one more question for you, Chris. Still alive with uh, both the $100 TAB bonus bet and sleep drops on the line. On that 2018 middle table, how many gold medals did New Zealand win in cycling overall? Uh, and just quickly, when I say cycling overall, that's track and like mountain biking, all, all those disciplines. Okay, I'll say that's including silver and bronze, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no, how many gold I'll medals? Say, how many gold oh, medals? Oh, gold medals. Uh, I'll say three. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh, right no. And the no. Yes, Smithy. Hey. Again, again, Chris from <laughs> Foxton. <laughs> Has, has your number, mate? Yes, three. Uh, Dawkins, Mitchell, and Webster in the men's team sprint. Sam Webster in the men's sprint. And Sam Gaze in the mountain biking. I can I can hear the excitement there, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were really wrapped there. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, thank you, Smithy, for missing out. Bad luck, Smithy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get off it. Get off the... Look. Yeah, the pair of you, you, you just take your take your hundred bucks and be happy and take your sleep. In fact, take the sleep drops too. Just calm down a wee bit. God. <laughs> okay. Hey, good on you. It's, it's good on to know that uh, half of uh, half of the whole Foxton population has just taken a hundred bucks and some sleep drops off us. So well done. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell them all. <laughs> yeah, good on you. Uh, have a great weekend, you guys. Thanks very much for playing. Stay on the line uh, and uh, we'll get your calls. Jake will get your, your numbers. Um, he'll get your numbers and your details as well. Fantastic. Uh, 11.39 here on SENZ. Uh, when we come back, it is Mick Guerin and it's Harness Racing, of course. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
And it is 11.44 as we head through to uh, midday and Mark Stafford, but uh, the week would not be complete if we didn't end it with uh, Mick Guerin and our harness racing chat that we always have at this time. And Mick, another very busy weekend. And the quality of uh, horses running around just uh, continues week after week, it seems. You've got the, the Dawson Harford, Harford uh, Messenger, 100 grand's worth tonight. And, of course, the Peter Brecken mo- uh, Mobile Trot to look forward to with some top-class fields. Good morning, Smithy. Big hi and uh, hi to your listeners, too. I hope your Friday has started well. You're right. It's a continuation of a big autumn for harness racing. Um, we had a race two weeks ago. We had uh, some super racing last week where both favourites got beaten in the feature races at Alexandra Park. All those favourites returned tonight looking for revenge and they both got better barrier draws. So Sunday's son in the Peter Brecken Memorial National Trot, he gets barrier one. The start's going to be crucial for him, Smithy. Not so crucial, I think, is the big pacing race, the Dawson Harford Messenger. The self-assured, I'm pretty confident, will be too good for them. I think he'll get the lead at some stage. So the big guns should fire tonight. We also race at Addington tonight, Smithy. Then tomorrow, in the cargo, has their biggest day of the year for harness racing. It's called Diamonds Day. And they have the Oaks, they have the Supremacy Stakes, and their two-year-old feature. So a little bit of something for everybody this weekend, Smitty, on the harness racing front. And on the SENZ front, we have the mail run tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. We're going to celebrate the career of Murray Baker. Murray Baker, the training great, Smitty, a guy who you would know, um, finishes his New Zealand training career tomorrow. So his last ever day at Tarapa, it won't be a massive send-off. They don't have a big team in for him and Andrew Forsman that will talk to his son, Bjorn, in the morning about his dad and what he's achieved and try and get a word from Bjorn as well. And then on Sunday noon, uh, we'll have Trot's talk to wrap up this big night at Alexandra Park and also wrap up in Bacarcle. So we get a lot of things in place with you this weekend on SCNC. You sure have, uh, and um, on a poignant note, a more poignant note, um, uh, a tribute uh, Wednesday, May the 4th, uh, for Jim Dalgetty is to, is to be held as well. Yep, now that's at Addington. So Jim Dalgetty is the father of Cran Dalgetty, one of the leading trainers in the country. He's got big winning chances at Addington tonight with a horse particularly called Republican Party. But Jim was a legend of racing, breeder, owner, trainer, stood stallions, wonderful, wonderful man. And he passed away last week. Next Wednesday, there's going to be a service at his home track at Addington uh, and a chance for all Jim's friends and punters and people who, who you know liked the way he did things in a long and very full life. That's one o'clock next Wednesday at Addington. So it's a chance for people to get along and celebrate his life. So that'll be very poignant. And knowing some of the people involved, Smithy, I'm thinking there'll be some stories told and some drinks to be drunk, which is the way you're supposed to send people off. So Spankham uh, dominated last week, got up. But yeah, Spankham's drawn seven tonight uh, in the Messenger. Uh, Self-assured has drawn two. So as you say, it might uh, be able to dictate exactly where it wants to be in the running side of things. But a lot of people would be looking at saying, self-assured Sunday sun, uh, I'll multi those into the rest of the weekend. Not as simple as that for you? Well, the reason it isn't, Smithy, is the value's already gone. Self-assured opened at $1.70, now $1.30. Part of that for money, part of it because South Coast Arden has come out of the race. 
Um, then a horse like Sunday Sun, he'll get crossed at the start, meaning he won't lead. Once you start taking very short odds, around $1.50, Smithy, you want to either have a horse going to lead or you want to have a horse who you are confident can sit parked and still win. Maybe the second thing is true. I don't think the first thing is true. So self-assured may be the better chance, but $1.30 getting very short for him. And people are thinking, well, how do I play this? You have the options of power plays are underneath the markets mm. at tab.co.nz. Always bet responsibly. You have a bit more than you can afford to lose because it's your money. You don't need to bet if you don't want to. But if you feel like having a bet, you can look at ways of marrying up a horse. For example, self-assured into another horse. Well, I think there's a little chance of that race. I think there's a chance for the Cornella. The Cornella is the first two horses home in any order. I think self-assured uh, to win with Tango, the horse is going to finish second. It's $9 for the exacta, $6 for the Quinella. That could be fun for those who want to spend their $10 and try and boost their cappuccino money tomorrow morning. Oh, I love an exacta. I really do love an exacta, Mick. Hey, uh, look, thanks very much for your time, mate. I know you've got a, a busy day and a busy weekend, and I uh, uh, look forward to uh, all your various contributions uh, on SENZ during that time span, mate. Thank you, as always. Have, uh, have a great weekend. You too, Smilly. Hope if you have a punt, it goes well. And to all those people listening, if you do have a punt, make sure you bet responsibly because uh, yeah, it's your money. You don't have to get involved. But if you do, plenty of information on hrnz.co.nz. Good on you, Mick. As always, very professional. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, we'll be uh, with Staffy very shortly, folks, of course, uh, as we have a chat just prior to him taking over at uh, 12 o'clock. Just time to acknowledge our great friends at Polaris who have supported us for this week as well, an ongoing support as well. Uh, they have got the Ranger in stock, the RZR, the General, the Sportsman, the Commercial and the Youth. And I'd imagine with duck shooting just around the corner, just around the corner, they have got the vehicle you need, Polaris, to load up, to get out to the Mai Mai, to get set up and bring back the, the ducks and the empties uh, when you've had your, your fun and finished. Um, and <coughs> you'll do it all in the comfort and the reliability of a Polaris vehicle. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.